So I know you, you think maybe the, the singing's over. It's not. And even um, I asked a couple of these guys to stay up because there's one, there's one Christmas carol uh, that really stands out. And we're going to be talking a little bit more about it, even in just a few moments from the word. But you guys know Away in the Manger, right? It's such a classic. So if you guys could just lead us all. But hey, if you're one of the kids out there of all ages, sing this one out especially because uh, that's what we're celebrating tonight. So let's, let's do Away in the Manger. Okay, so thanks for doing that. Throw a little curveball. Um, why do these Christmas carols, um, I don't know, ignite so much passion in us? Why do they even, uh, some of you guys who are regulars uh, to Veritas know Mikey Stewart around here, one of our little tough guys. And even he was like, man, I don't know why, but I get all choked up every time I sing one of those Christmas carols. Like way in the manger, probably going to get him all choked up. Um, it's a remarkable story, you guys. It is, it is the most remarkable story ever told on this planet. And um, that's what we're going to be talking about. Um, we've been looking at the book of Isaiah. If you're part of the Veritas family, and if you're not, I mean, I'm glad you're here tonight, and I, I hope maybe you'll make Veritas uh, your family. But we've been using Isaiah chapter 9 as our guide to prepare us to celebrate tonight, Christmas Eve. But there's a couple verses I especially want to look at, and then we're actually going to turn to the nativity uh, scene as we find it in the New Testament. But in in Isaiah chapter 9, here's what he says. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 4, he says this. For you have shattered their oppressive yoke and the rod on their shoulders, the staff of their oppressor, just as you did in the day of Midian. Listen to this triumphant language. For every trampling boot of battle and the bloodied garments of war will be burned as fuel for the fire. So this incredible uh, language of victory and conquering, and especially for this oppressed people who've been looking for this conquering king to come in and free them from oppression and you know, take the yoke off their shoulders and just smash those things, right? To just free them. And so just this incredible language of, of victory and conquering the enemy, which makes the following words So shocking in Isaiah chapter 9, because the very next words are, for a child will be born for us. Okay, if you're just reading along and paying attention to what you're reading, you've got this image of this valiant, courageous, conquering king, and then the very next words, oh, so a child's going to be born to us. And the juxtaposition of that, the abruptness of that should catch your attention, right? A child will be born for us. This victorious king, this mighty God is going to come enter the scene as an infant. How is that even possible? Now, to to bring the point really to home, maybe you've forgotten what an infant looks like. I'm going to go ahead and show you a picture of an infant. Okay, 
this just happens to be a very special infant. This is Lev. This is my newest grandson, and actually, more importantly, the son of James back here, my son-in-law, and his wife, my daughter, Audrey. They just had Levin. Isn't that a great name? Levin James Pusey. So this is Lev, and he is brand newborn and just a few days old, and this is the day he was born. Um, Looks a little rough, just been through a little bit of a rough patch coming into this world, right? But what a gorgeous, handsome young man. I love the little fingernails. Anyway, okay, here's the deal. Why would the conquering king, why would the God of the universe not step onto the scene with a sword in hand, a crown on his head? Why in the world would our conquering king come in looking like Lev? Not so much like this imaginary person we have of this conquering king. I want to have that in our minds now as we go to Luke chapter 2. And we'll have these verses on the screens as well. But Luke chapter 2 is maybe, maybe the clearest, most uh, traditional passage to think about Christmas Eve. And I want you to carry that abrupt imagery of Isaiah with you as, as you see the entrance of Jesus then in Luke chapter 2. So in verse 8, he says this, In the same region... Shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over the flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Okay, now those verses are setting up an incredible grand entrance for a conquering king, right? Here's an angel, like you think about splitting the sky open and now here's this heroic angel coming on and the glory of God kind of coming through that breakage in the sky and it's just this magnificent thing and rightly so, they are terrified. But that's got all the the makings, right, of an incredible, spectacular entrance to a conquering king. It's looking good, right? Okay, the very next verse is verse 11. Today in the city of David, a savior was born for you who is Messiah, the Lord, This will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Okay, so once again, city of David, yes! King David, right? The conquering, valiant, courageous king from the Old Testament. So born in the city of David, I knew it, right? The city of David, and we've got Messiah, the Lord. This This is looking good. This is looking like conquering king, right? Very next verse is verse 13. Suddenly, there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, Glory to God in the highest heaven, peace on earth, on people that he favors. Yes, and we're the people he favors. And you know how you get peace on this earth? You conquer all the enemies. It's happening, right? And then all of a sudden, I wondered if the shepherds at one point are all of a sudden like, no, whoa, 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 whoa. Did he say something about a baby? I think he did. Like you're so caught up, right, in all this valiant language and conquering language that all of a sudden they're like, wait, did you guys hear that? Something about a baby. Something about a manger. You know what I mean? Like so abrupt, it doesn't quite fit in the rest of the narrative of conquering king, but there is a baby and he's born in a manger and that's our conquering king. So the question I want us to ponder tonight is why? Why Christmas Eve? Why Christmas morning? Why, you know, like what does God have up his sleeve? (laughs) Big magical sleeves, right? What does God have up those mysterious magical sleeves 
that has the conquering king arriving in infancy and in a manger. Like Isaiah 9 was not fooling around. That's exactly how he came to us. So a couple of things for us to ponder. I've just got a couple of points, but I hope that whether this is the very first Christmas that you are really celebrating by looking to Jesus or, well, for my mom, my mom's here, 95 years old. My mom is 95 years old and she looks amazing. I know. I'm like, at some point, mom, you have to start acting and looking your age. Like I've got more gray hair than my 95 year old mother, but maybe it's your 95th Christmas. Okay. Whatever the case, I hope that these thoughts will allow all the rest of the pageantry and gift giving and celebration to fade into the background and that we can have some wonder and awe and mystery at why the infant Jesus coming to us as our conquering king. So the very first point that I think is clear from these texts is that in the manger, Jesus is vulnerable. And I want to unpack that a little bit. In, in the manger, and this is what, think about this, Jesus is vulnerable. Jesus didn't come to us kind of aloof and protected he could have come surrounded by a band of those heroic angels with swords drawn, like keeping him away from any kind of danger. He didn't do that. He didn't come as an adult with a sword in his own hand. He didn't do that. He didn't come aloof. He, he came vulnerable. Guys, I'm going to get graphic for a moment. Jesus came to us through a birth canal, okay? Jesus came into this world through a birth canal. He came out with all the blood and amniotic fluid. I got a few nurses in here, right? You've seen babies being born. Many of you have. And you know what they look like coming out. He came out, face all puffed up, you know, like Lev's, kind of looking a little worse for the wear, right? And crying. You know that whole, if we had sung the next verse in a way in the manger, you know, but little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Not a chance. Of course he was crying. He's 100% human, Right? You take that first gasp of air and you've never had anything like that in your lungs and it's actually good for the babies to take those deep breaths and finally get oxygen in those lungs, right? He was screaming, he was crying, full of blood and fluid and all sorts of nasty, whatever, right? I'm telling you, this entrance puts the king of the universe in the most vulnerable position imaginable. There is no one more vulnerable than a brand new infant child. And every protective instinct of a parent, right, knows you got to protect these little guys, right? I mean, even when Lev's born and even his big sister Coco gets to hold him, you're like, no, 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 don't touch his eyes, Coco. No, 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 wait, don't, 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 hold on real careful, right? Because we understand they need all of us to protect all of them because they don't have some kind of protective covering on them, right? They're very vulnerable. They're defenseless. They're dependent, and that's how Jesus comes to us. Is that amazing? He comes to us so vulnerable. So I was listening this week to a Christmas message by another pastor, Pastor Tim Keller. Teresa actually encouraged me to listen to this. I was so glad I did. But one of the illustrations that he gave was such a great reminder. But you guys have probably studied this either in sociology class or psychology class. So back in 1964, there was a murder in New York, and I know it's Christmas, but this has a point to talk about this, but Kitty Genovese, back in 1964, was murdered. Now, why, why do we still talk about that? Why is it still in psychology and sociology books? Because here's what happened. She was a bartender. She got home very late in the night. She was trying to go up to her apartment, and there was this thug of a guy that was actually out just looking for someone to murder. 
found Kitty Genovese on her way to the apartment and began to attack her. The reason this became so memorable and it's still being written about is because as she's being attacked, she cries out. There's all these tall apartment buildings all around her, three sides around her. She cries out, help me, help me. He's stabbing me. And lights start going on in all these apartments. Middle of the night, lights start going on. People start looking out. No one comes to her aid. In fact, when the attacker sees all these lights going on and all these apartment buildings, he runs into the shadows for a while. Nobody still comes to help her. So he steps back out into the light and finishes the deed, continues to attack her, and nobody comes out to help. It's shocking. Even to this day, they call it the Genovese syndrome. Like, what is it about this thing where... People are going, well, guys, I'm no psychologist. I'm no sociologist. Do you know why nobody came down to help? You know, they were afraid, right? They were afraid to put themselves in any kind of a position where they themselves might get hurt. It's the most natural thing in the world. We're afraid. We don't put ourselves in. Here's why I bring that up, you guys. Jesus heard our cries for help. And he came down and put himself in the most vulnerable position possible. Not in spite of his fear that he might get hurt. He came because he was going to put himself in a place to be hurt. Does that make sense? He didn't run from that vulnerable place. He wasn't running in fear. He wasn't going to try to protect himself. He came to insert himself in that very place where he himself would actually be hurt and hurt desperately The manger is the first moment where we are actually being told God is coming to be vulnerable for us, to put himself in utter weakness for us. It's unbelievable. But I want you to know there's something else about this. The manger of Jesus always also tells us that he's approachable. Not only is he vulnerable, but now on the other side of that, he's unbelievably approachable. So look look back at, at Luke chapter two, if you've got your Bible there. When the shepherds saw the angel burst under the scene, what was their response? What was the response of the shepherds when they saw the angel? They were terrified, right? They are terrified. In fact, they would have run for cover, except they're out in the middle of an open field. They couldn't do anything about it. They were terrified, and rightly so. But when they were told that there was actually a peasant couple with a baby, what did they do? Did they run for cover? (laughs) Did they run for cover from the baby? No, it says right there in our Bibles, they ran out to meet him. They, they ran toward that infant child. Here's the thing, guys, you know this. Babies have a superpower, right? Babies have this superpower, this like magnetic power. They draw people to themselves. Is that right? Babies have this just way of getting you drawn in, even the most rugged looking baby. Look, I'm a dad of four kids. I got all these grandkids and I'm telling you, Babies are rough looking, right? I remember with my own children, I'm like, wow, that's a rough looking kid, right? I mean, let's just be honest. Everybody, oh, look how adorable. I'm like, maybe they'll get there, but wow, right? And yet, why can I not take my eyes off that kid, right? Why why am I so transfixed with this kid that looks like he's just come through a war and he's a couple hours old, you know? Babies have this magical power to just draw us in. And guys, this baby in Luke chapter 2 was not born in some high-scale, clean, sterile university hospital, right? Born in a cave, 
Born in a barn, born in a stable with, with sheep and cows and pigs. But get this, guys. Here's why I say approachable. Where do you think those shepherds had been born? Where do you think those shepherds' children had been born? <laughs> in that same kind of setting. You know what? All these shepherds are now thinking, now, now that's a savior that I can approach. That's a savior I can run toward. That's somebody I can understand and connect with, right? There's somebody just like me born in a place just like me, so approachable. So Jesus in the manger tells us a whole bunch of beautiful things. He's come to put himself in a very vulnerable position for you and for me, and also to be so approachable, drawing us in. There's a reason that we lean into even away in the manger, right? Because it's so adorable and so wonderful. And we're just drawn into this God who has come to save us. And the very last thing, very last thought, in the manger, Jesus becomes our lamb. He's vulnerable. He's approachable. And he's also telling us something really important. He's our lamb. From the earliest pages of our Bibles, guys, what we know is that innocent lambs gave their lives for sinful people. I mean, we have it from Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, we've got Abraham, as he gives Isaac, all the way through the, the whole Levitical system and the priesthood, everything. Always throughout, lambs were given for sinning men and women, right? When Jesus steps onto the scene later, after Luke chapter 2, when he grows into adulthood, when he steps onto the scene to begin his public ministry, what does John the Baptist call him when he steps onto the public scene? Look, there's the what? Lamb of God. There's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the whole world. And then it's, it's more than that. He is the Lamb of God who would give himself on the cross. Remarkably, you get to the very end of the book. We've talked about Genesis. Now you go to the end, all the way to the book of Revelation. And at the end, when all of evil is finally crushed and vanquished, every enemy is actually put down. You know what we learn in Revelation 17? I love this verse. These enemies make war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will conquer them because he is Lord of lords and King of kings. <laughs> he's called the Lamb of God who actually is the conquering king. In fact, that is his favorite title. Throughout the book of Revelation, it's not Lion of Judah that's his favorite title. It's not even Messiah. It is Lamb. 29 times in the book of Revelation, he's referred to as the Lamb. So it's not an accident, you guys, that Jesus was born in a barn <laughs> with other sheep in a feeding trough because he is truly the Lamb of God. So guys, here's my ask on Christmas Eve. Here's my ask of you. A lot of stuff going on over these next few days, a lot of gatherings, presents, whatever. Will you take just a few moments tonight, just a few moments to hit pause on everything else going on and consider why this night why did Jesus come to us in the way that he did? Why a baby? Why a manger? And why 2,000 years later are we still drawn to this unbelievable story of a conquering king coming to us as an infant child? And maybe... You guys, I still remember the first Christmas right after I gave my life to Christ. A couple months later, Christmas came, and it was like, 
that's why this is all going on, right? It all, all, everything kind of came together and you're just stunned with the remarkable story of Jesus Christ coming to us as an infinite in order to become the lamb. Guys, may the story of this remarkable night carry us through this Christmas season. Will you pray with me? Let's, let's pray together. In fact, why don't you stand with me, will you? Let's stand up together. So Jesus, it would be like us to go through this Christmas and get all caught up in a whole lot of other stories and a whole lot of other events. But Jesus, what I really pray, Lord, would you allow us to get caught up all over again in the wonder of this remarkable story? Would you allow us, Lord Jesus, to, to stand in awe that you chose to come to us as this infant child? Not to remain an infant, you would go on to become that remarkable lamb of God that would give your life for us, to be resurrected incredibly in power, to promise to come again as that victorious lamb of God that would once and for all conquer all enemies but for this moment, in this night, Lord, you came in such vulnerability. For me, put yourself in such danger in order to be put in danger. Such approachability. Who, who, who could turn away from such a beautiful scene as this infant child? Get us caught up, Lord, in the wonder and the worship of who you are and why you've come for us. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.